Hello and welcome to the Mind Talk podcast with myself, Edwin, and we are back again for another edition. Um, today's episode, we're having someone from the fitness world, and it's going to be quite interesting. She focuses more on women, so it'll be interesting to understand her mindset and how it works with her clients. So we have Maya Ojiqui. Thank you, thank you for coming on. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The weather's getting better. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. It's um, it's yeah, like you said, the weather's getting better, and yeah, it's, it's good to have you on. I'm going to ask you a question that I like to ask all of the guests that I have on. So. Talk to us about your early days with sports. Early days with sports. So obviously you come from quite like an athletic background. I never really had that. Um, I started off, you know, the typical person who used to bunk off PE in school. Hmm. Um, I used to do things like badminton, did a bit of running, but never, ever took anything seriously. I think it wasn't until I went into university and wanted a bit of routine and started to love the gym and I started taking myself every now and then and started taking more interest in things like cardio, you know, skipping, lockdown really helped. But it wasn't like, you know, no one in my family ever, you know, was fit. It was never a thing. Like maybe my brother played five-a-side football on the weekends, but it wasn't like, oh, okay, we're a family who come from an athletic background. So it wasn't, you know, I think where you start off in childhood basically tells you a lot about you know how you see sports and see activity i that wasn't really present in my house so it was basically me finding it myself you know the love of movement my body and exercise okay and it not being present in your house how how did you get to the point when you started to like and you you mentioned you used to like bunk off pee and stuff like that so yeah (laughs) (laughs) how did that change for you I think personally, everyone's got the reasons to why, you know, they want to sort of get into fitness, whether it's aesthetic or, you know, whether it's a lifestyle change of being told they have poor health. For me, it was just a very big lack of confidence and lots of procrastination. You know, I think I started off as, you know, a lot of women do, especially around my age where they're very insecure, they're very hypersensitive to things online. So I thought, you know what, okay, I simply went in for the body transformation and changing what I look like. But as I started to go through it, it was like, well, this actually makes me feel good. You know, if I wasn't doing this, I'd just be sitting on my phone or I'd be watching Netflix or whatever. So I might as well, you know, use this time and invest it wisely. And it's a bit like, you know, people talk about the bug you don't like it at first but as you start getting more familiar in a space you're like wow my body can actually do this I was getting stronger I started seeing progress and I just had to solve the food side of the equation and that was pretty much how it became a lifestyle for me so yeah I fell into it like I think a lot of people do but for me it was a lot more than just oh I go to the gym I'm a gym goer it was like I want other people to share this with me as well okay and when it came to the insecurities you you kind of mentioned stuff you see online was there anything else that made you feel insecure because I've, I've had a lot of friends that when they were younger they've, they've said they felt insecure when it came to PE and doing sport what was was there any other reasons for you I think for me it was particularly obviously a mixed heritage it was understanding my own genetics so yeah. I would be in a classroom of people who didn't look like me and they were very slim built okay. and they were very lean and you know I chased that type of physique and then I'd come online I'd see all these girls with super built bodies and I was that person you know oh, I don't want to be bulky yeah. I don't want to be bulky I don't want to yeah. build too much muscle um and I think that insecurity just sparks it's like I, I never felt like I was in a space where I fit 
So okay. the gym and actually training and being in a space where everyone wants the same thing, everyone's just enjoying what they're doing, felt like a little yep. bit of a release. I didn't have to be anyone else in there, okay. just be myself training. But I think a lot of it was, you know, the younger generation see a lot of bodies online. You know, they're very hypersensitive yep. to how they look. And my food relationship was really, really poor. So though I was training and I was loving it, I wasn't truly taking care of my body. And I think it was about getting both of those things and wrapped in. But when it when it came to you taking the steps of actually getting into the gym, mm-hmm. were you was at that point were you comfortable with your natural body image, or was it still like you you craving for the image that you had seen online? I suppose you know what there's a lot of like fitness you know coaches out there. And maybe yeah. they've been obese to fit or maybe they've been anorexic to fit. Again, it was that lack of identity. I was in that stage where if I stayed exactly the same, no one would have had anything negative really to say. But yeah. in my feelings and what I felt like, I felt a little bit skinny on this part. I felt a little bit big on other parts. I didn't really know. I think mainly it was about saying to myself, no, okay, I want to change, but I'm not really sure what direction to go in. So let it just happen. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to, you know, build loads of muscle or do X, Y, Z. It was that I want to take care of myself and train and see what happens. And I think that's what yeah. a lot of people sometimes end up doing. It's not only yeah. that, you know, as they get more experienced, after yeah. they start, they, they have a direction. It's like no one just yeah. wakes up one day and says, hey, like, I want to be a bodybuilder. And yeah. like you probably understand, like, from your athletic background before you started getting into athletics it didn't become something that you really wanted to pursue until after a while you know what I mean yeah so when so when you started training and being in the gym how did you feel because I know for a lot of women it can be quite daunting like some of the guys can be very intimidating in the gym How, how was it for you I think I was kind of lucky because of the experiences that I'd had in the working Mm. world. So my anxiety probably wasn't as high as, you know, a lot of other women's in the gym. But I still Mm. had the days where I felt very, you know, uneasy, anxious, didn't know how Mm. to use that. But I think, you know, the mentality of that whole experience is learning that as long as you keep exposing yourself to the same environment, you will be fine. And I think that's what I basically did. I started, you know, watching other people or watching some videos and trying to give myself a little bit of guidance. Probably did stuff wrong for a good three years, but it doesn't really matter because in the end, you know, however anxious I was, it wasn't as worse as me staying exactly where I was. You know, it was getting through that uncomfortable path of, I actually deserve to be here. So when it comes to the diet, you you kind of touched on it. So what made you decide, okay, I need to take the diet side of things and the nutrition side of things more seriously? I think it was when I looked at myself and I was completely gaunt. Um, mm. So like a little bit of background, because I was training, I was doing a lot of these fad things. So it was in the realms to get as lean as I possibly could. I wanted this, yeah. I wanted the aesthetics. I just wanted to look a certain way. And Instagram body, yeah. you know, everyone has abs and everyone's in shape. So they must not eat as much to get there, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it was just one day where I'd went keto. <laughs> I, okay. I hate that diet, but um, I went yeah. keto. <laughs> And I was on yeah. the fifth day, right? And there was a Domino's in the house because my family had ordered yeah. one. And okay. I think I paced back and forth for a good 10 minutes. 
deciding how much I wanted this piece of pizza. And I didn't realize it was wrong until after I ate it and I couldn't stop. Like I physically couldn't stop myself. I was just like, I just need to eat more and more and more. And it came onto a tangent and it wasn't even that particular moment. It was this over and over again, where I'd only be eating, you know, one bowl of cereal a day. I'd be dodging bananas because I thought they weren't good for me. I'd be I'd okay. be really overthinking it because I'd rabbit hold myself online on the things that I shouldn't okay. eaten rather than looking at the things that I should. Um okay. and I think one day I went into the gym completely fasted and I was running okay. with a waist trainer on, all this clothing to try and burn as many calories as possible. And I just remember yeah. completely blank and sitting at the end of a treadmill and just having to take myself home, vomited, vomited. And it was just like this isn't normal. (laughs) Didn't feel normal. And I knew that my relationship with food, especially coming from like an African background, there's lots of different foods and cultures. Like I love all of that, but I'd sort of told myself that I wasn't allowed to have that. Like I couldn't have those enjoyable things if I wanted to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it spiraled, you know, I was always tired. I was fatigued. I was getting sick all the time. And then as I started, you know, stepping into the industry properly, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. we actually really need to eat. <laughs> yeah. So, so what did you do to like create like a balanced, sustainable routine that will allow you to, to enjoy the good stuff, but also allow you to, 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 to make a difference? That's a really hard question. You know, there's so many mechanisms on understanding how to get a better food relationship. And a lot of my clients, obviously, you know, they may not think they have a bad relationship with food. But I stopped using terms to describe it. You know, we're very aware that especially, you know, if you're from a certain background, that particular foods have certain functions. But I just dropped the good and bad. I stopped calling things bad. I stopped calling things a cheat. I stopped calling things naughty. And even though it was that simple switch, it meant that I could eat things and eat them for what they was, not what they were deemed to be. Um, Yeah. That really helped. And I think the second thing was just allowing myself to understand what the science behind this was. Okay. You know? um, and I think that's it, really. Once you start to understand nutrition, you know, in some places, for example, people think carbohydrates are bad for them. But then when we look yeah. at people who need to perform, carbs are literally what they need. Right. So it was it was a lot of education and understanding and trial and error. And did I slip up sometimes and, you know, demonize foods again? Of course. Mm-hmm. But I had to block out, you know, what other people would say about how much I was eating or what I was eating and just focus on this is so much better than me feeling negative all the time. Um, so there wasn't a clear mechanism, but I think it was years and years and years of giving myself access to eating more and exploring that. Yeah. I'll kind of move on to um, your relationship with your clients. So, with a lot of people when they start using a a a PT or using someone in terms of in fitness the main reason why they use them is because they lack that motivation to do things by themselves um or the negativity that is in their mind is is holding them back what do you do with your clients to to make sure that they don't have a negative mindset and they don't talk negative about the way they 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 go about things I think the main thing is, is that when someone, you know, I feel like motivation and discipline seem to come hand in hand, right? So, you know, people, motivation is just a fleeting emotion. You know, there's going to be days where you can't wait to train. There's going to be days when you don't want to train at all. But what comes with that is the element of discipline, which people are always focused on. What I like to do with my clients really is, you know, you're going to see some PTs who are pretty much like, you know, the rock, (laughs) very motivational, very like, do it. Like, this is the best version of you. 
that's okay, but it's not always yeah. going to be the true reason to why someone continues. Um, yeah. So we have one mechanism we use within my coaching called compassionate discipline. So okay. it's about understanding, yes, of course, okay, these are the actions that you need to make towards your goal. But if you're feeling a particular way about it, let's understand that so you can move past mm. it instead of guilt tripping yourself about it, right? Yeah. Um, so for example, if one of our clients, you know, moves outside of their diet and they end up breaking their diet cycle, okay, we probably shouldn't have done that for the goal, but why did mm. you do that? Is there a reason? Yeah. Have you been stressed? Have you, mm. you know, had a really poor day at work? Did you find that you were swept off your feet and couldn't plan anything? And once you get yeah. to know the reasons behind your actions, the easier discipline comes because you're able to work and navigate through them a lot better. So like with the clients that you worked with, have you had like success stories with people that maybe their journey started off really badly and you've seen them overcome that and they're, they're reaping the rewards of it right now? Yeah. So I think mm. obviously I'm really tapped into women's health. I've got loads of client yeah. stories, you know, like I stay in touch with even some of my past clients now who are, avid gym goers who you know have mm. solved a lot of their relationship with food issues but one particular one was definitely my client Beth um yeah. so Beth was diagnosed with PCOS very early yeah. days um the average diagnosis process of PCOS is about seven years and the mm -hmm. truth is the fitness industry and the health industry aren't really helpful with that particular diagnosis yeah. basically it can cause a fertility um insulin resistance, you know, higher levels of fat gain, they will feel more fatigued, they will lose their cycles. And emotionally, you know, it can be quite challenging, especially if you want to start a family or you want to see results. And my client Beth had pretty much worked herself up in a bit of a frenzy when she first started with me, um, that she would never get to where she wanted to get to because of this particular diagnosis. I pretty much told her we're not even going to focus on that. What we're actually going to focus on is you making a lifestyle change. Um, yeah. We ended up getting her in the gym on a regular basis. She was lifting more than ever. She started eating for fuel and understanding that she could have things and eating three times yeah. a day, not demonizing or removing anything. There's a big belief mm -hmm. that, you know, gluten, and yeah. dairy, you can't have it, but you can. Um, and then within the space of like eight months, she'd lost all the weight that she wanted and we could yeah. shoot. And I didn't even know, but on the shoot day, she was pregnant. So wow. that is one story that always sits really close to my heart because I didn't know she was pregnant at the time. But now yeah. she's obviously got a little boy. She's still into her fitness. And yeah. if she would have let that diagnosis and that whole process tell her that she couldn't, then she wouldn't. Have, yeah. But we ignored it completely. We yeah. did in some things, but mainly it was about her making a continuous change. That's a fantastic story. Mm -hmm. Your your approach to her, do you use the same approach with all your clients or do you have to adapt to whoever you who whoever your clients are? Adapt. Um mm. everyone's different, right? And yeah. you know, people can have athlete brain and people can be a lot more compassionate. I don't know if you've ever read the book Surrounded by Idiots. You ever watched read that book before? No? No. Um it's great. It really helps you understand personality mm -hmm. types so as coaches really what we're not here to do is throw all of our opinions and beliefs on a person which is why if I was to coach someone who did have athlete brain maybe my compassion wouldn't work too well with them maybe they yeah. really deal well on the hey like 
do it, just get it done. Like some people love mm. that, right? But that's not yeah. really my style of coaching. I can be that person for that particular person. But for some people, that is the negative way of doing things. They're not going to hear yeah. that, right? Um, I think one job we really need to do is understand that people have different triggers and people have different yeah. responses and you need to understand your clients to help coach them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, you know, I've got one client and she basically asks me to kick her up the arse when she's not doing what she's meant to be doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it works for her. But then yeah. other clients, you know, if I come on the hard approach to get it done, they stress themselves out, they panic and they do nothing, right? Yeah. It's about, again, that compassion to this discipline, knowing what is good for the mm-hmm. person and asking them, you know, what is the reasons behind what they're trying to achieve? Because everyone wants to feel good and look good, but why? Yeah. Um, and that's the way you can coach people by understanding that. When it when it comes to research um, as a PT, there's, there's a lot of information out there that can be false information or true information how do you keep on top of it knowing that you're learning the right stuff to teach your your clients um i'd say you know if you're on tiktok you're probably on the wrong place Mm. (laughs) you're probably on the wrong place there's so many right the pt qualification and i hopefully i'm going to it's the worst qualification ever it teaches you nothing right Mm. people step out of a pt qualification thinking they know how to coach but they don't you know how to train and teach people how to exercise, but you yeah. don't know the pr- you don't know everything, right? You just know a yeah. glimpse of what you need to be doing, and half of that stuff is yeah. applicable. I think the best thing you can do is look for courses that are certified. Um, I have done EIQ, I've done Brianna Battles, I've done Muscle Nerds from people who are advocates in the industry who wear the badges, show the proof, show the theory. Yeah. And, you know, if you are a little bit more, you know, into your studies, understand that, you know, a lot of things that you read online, a study doesn't mean it's fact. It just means it's been proved by a small notion of people. Mm -hmm. You can use them and debate them as much as you want. But I think the main thing is, is you're never really going to know until you coach. That's the truth. Um, You can have as much education as you want, but until you put it in practice, you can't really say you're helping people. Um, So make some mistakes sometimes, I think. Yeah. Have you ever had like clients that may push back on some of the stuff that you teach? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, you know, maybe they've come from a slimming world background or a Weight Watchers background yeah. and they don't understand why they can eat avocados again and why, you know, eggs aren't bad for them and they can't yeah. have unlimited pasta. Like they don't understand these type of things. A lot of it is to do with upbringing, you know. Yeah especially depending on you know how your household was so I grew up in a Weight Watchers background so it was very much everything's low fat everything's low fat but is that nutritionally the best thing for everybody absolutely not um training wise why are you doing so much hit and cardio when you want to build a physique it's about breaking down what they believe not completely making them feel like it's all wrong because in some elements there always is something correct but helping them see that this particular way of thinking isn't going to help them get to where they want to get to. Um, I get pushed back every week. <laughs> it's life. It's life. We're, always, we're, all gonna, we're always going to push back, but it's, it's, I guess it's how you... Um, if you've got the right information, then you don't need to worry about, about the pushback, really. Yeah, exactly. Proof. People want proof, right? Yeah. And the only way, you know, you can... The best way you can prove to a client that this is the right thing to do is get them results. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many clients I'm like, listen, just listen to me. 
if you do this, yeah. you'll get here. If you don't do this, you won't get there. So trust me. And nine times out of 10, it's there, right? <laughs> they get yeah. there. Um, and I think, you know, I've had coaches in the past as a coach and I needed that too. So, yeah. yeah. What do you think are the biggest things that keep you motivated that allows you to keep your clients motivated? Um, hmm. I wouldn't say I'm a motivated person. I wouldn't say that because I basically believe that motivation is just a feeling. Like it's just a feeling, it's a fleeting emotion for me anyway. I think that is, it's a sense of drive. But you can't be an emotional time. So I'd say I'm a disciplined person in a sense. I think what happens is things start to become second nature. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in one part, I am a coach. So if I'm not training and if I'm not eating right, how am I a coach who's going to set an example for other people? I think that put a bit of positive pressure on me when I came into the industry that, you know, if I slip, then I can't teach this type of stuff. You know, I can't be saying to people that it's wrong for them to not go to the gym if I haven't been in two weeks and I haven't done nothing and I'm sitting on Netflix. So I'm just doing nothing. Um, I think I'm a driven person, but I wouldn't say I'm a driven person all the time. But I think... The only way, you know, you can actually say you are is by understanding mm-hmm. when you're not, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I don't think anyone really, you know, in any sport or any, you know, place in the earth wakes up every day excited mm-hmm. to train, you know, yeah. not every single day. But it's that reasoning behind why you're doing what you're doing. And yeah. for me, you know, I want to be a coach because I want to plan my own future. I don't want to work for someone I want to see something grow that I've built. So even when it's a little bit crap, I'll do it anyway. Working in that industry, how how hard can it be at times to to build your own platform and your own success? Because you're self-employed. That's that's technically how it works. How how hard is it for you in that situation? Um, I mean, I think the hardest part is identity. It's a very saturated market, but it's it's one of the best industries you can be in. I'll say this wholeheartedly. There's not many industries that allow you to pick who you work with or, you know, get to do the thing that you love every single day, get to talk about the thing that you enjoy. I think the problem is, is that so many personal trainers and coaches suffer with this element of identity of who they are. So when they coach, it doesn't come out in what they put out, if that makes sense. Um, for, For example, I followed all the bodybuilders. I thought I needed to coach like bodybuilders. I thought I needed to look like bodybuilders but I'm not a bodybuilder. Um, and then I switched to, you know, athletes and I was looking at all the yeah. athletes and I thought, oh, maybe I'll talk about performance. I needed to find who I was and what I genuinely believe. And that's why I switched to a lifestyle because I know I'm never going to be the person who you might see on the front cover of like Women's Health or whatever. You won't see that. Yeah. But what you will see is that the people whose lives are changed, they're not here just to get a physique. They're here to... Yeah be able to pick the kids up and knock out of breath, be able to go to the park, be able to get in pictures mm-hmm. again. Um, and that is why it's hard to grow a business as a PT because if you mm-hmm. just fit what everyone else is doing, you don't stand out. It's as simple as that. Um, but all the other stuff, it's like any other business. You have to put yeah. work in. You have to be turning up every single day. You can't just expect yeah. people to be lining up and working with you. It's yeah. a lot of a mental battle and a physical yeah. battle as well. I would say, but you know, I think the statistic is, is that after six, I think this is right. After six weeks, 
50% of personal trainers do nothing with their certificate. Um, and I think it's something to do with PTs, how many of them leave. I can't remember the exact statistic. But think about mm. how many people actually have a PT qualification and how many yeah. people are actually coaches who are building a brand. Yeah. So. I, I think that connects a lot to mindset because there's a lot of people that give up. And obviously, it's not it's not easy industry to to work in. You have to have a certain type of mentality. What do you think? Are like name three of the biggest things like strengths you have in terms of your mindset that keeps you going in this industry? Um, I think I have, and I never did. I have a very good ability to manage stress. I never did. Um, I used to definitely. For me, I think as I've grew in the industry the things that felt like a problem are only a small speck of dust so you know a lot of people struggle about if clients leave I haven't thought about that in years you know if um I can't fit my training in again I haven't thought about that in years I've got a level of resilience to things that might get thrown at me because I know I've made a part is going to work itself out and it always does yeah um I think I do have a little bit more compassion you know, on yeah. myself. So it makes yeah. it easier for me to, you know, work things out and plan. And mm. I think I just prepare a lot. And I think that is one of the things that a lot of general people who are trying to get into fitness and anyone who owns a business needs to do more of. Um, if you can prepare and put yourself ahead three steps all the time, even if that's making a little bit of content or, you know, checking in with your clients a day earlier just to make sure you've ticked it off, you buy yeah. a lot of your time back Um and they're all skills that you learn through experience. I used to be the worst stress head, honestly, Edwin. I was the worst. Mm. <laughs> used to pick my eyelashes out, cry. And then I remember yeah. just one day I was like, no, I'm not stressing. I'm not I'm not being overwhelmed anymore. Because what, no. you know? Was there, was there anything that triggered it for you to not be stressed? Like, was there any, like, tools you used? Or was it just one day you just decided that, like... Mm. I actually went to an event in London. Um, it was Nick James, Expert Empires, and I saw Stephen Bartlett speak, and Marie Folio speak. Marie Folio did a nice little speech about how just using the particular language that you pick on that day is going to change the way you are. So yeah. if you turn around and say to yourself, I am so stressed, I am so overwhelmed, then you will be that. If you yeah. tell yourself, it's not this affirmation type of chanting things in the mirror, it's more pre-committing or promising yourself to be a particular thing and so if I can sense myself getting stressed there is no point me sitting be stressing about how much I'm stressed and there's no if you're upset be upset sit in the emotions but don't make it your whole personality do you know what I Mm -hmm. mean you're going through a little bit of a time here so I think Mm. it is a sense of awareness when things are getting too much and boundaries definitely help as well um you know if you're not good at creating boundaries it's probably the first thing you need to do if you're serious about change yeah i kind of go back to it was an earlier question i asked and we kind of mentioned um adaptability Mm -hmm. so with with clients um you may have a you may have clients who may be going through stuff at home Mm -hmm. um which is contributing to maybe why they they're needing your services so obviously you're not a psychologist but how do you what are the type of things that you would say in terms of encouraging people to, to, to push them through? Because a lot of people that use personal trainers will tell some of them that 
their deepest secrets um, and their deepest insecurities. So what are the type of things that you would say when you when those situations are brought towards you? I think it can be quite tricky. You know, you're yeah. definitely right. You know, as a personal trainer, you know, everyone's business because yeah. they come to you if you're in person in a gym. That one hour is their safe space, right? They may not be yeah. able to talk about these particular things with the husband or the girlfriend or the mum or the dad or the brother, whatever, because they feel like there's a bias. You don't know yeah. everything about their life. So whatever you say, yeah. you know, it seems like almost therapy to them. Yeah. And I think what I've learned to do is understand that you need to speak to people as a human sometimes rather than just a coach. Because the typical coach is going to try and get you back on track straight away. However, Mm -hmm. if someone is going through something like grief or things that they physically need time on, I am the first Mm -hmm. person to say, listen, you need some time. That is usually the only thing. And I think when you're pushing people at the wrong time, it can break them. But when you give people that space to understand, okay, like for me personally, I've been through a lot while I was trying to run my business. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for my coach at the time, who turned around and said, mate, go take three days off, yeah. chill out, come back and get back to what you need to get to. You've gone yeah. through a lot. Um, and I think, you know what, there can be terms of encouragement. You know, maybe they've just had a situation or an argument at work and they need a little bit of like encouragement to get through that typical thing. Oh, it's done, what did you learn? Da, da, da. But for some mm-hmm. people going through serious, serious things, Remember, yeah. it'd be like any workplace, you know, if you said yeah. to your workplace, I've lost a family member, I've lost a friend, you're not just going to say, I'll oh, come into work. That's not yeah. how it's going to be, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's mainly about finding out what that person particularly thinks is going to be the best thing for them to do at this time. For some of them, throwing themselves back in. For some of them, it's yeah. taking a little bit of a step back, but never switching that light switch off of what you really want. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Last question. So at some point you would you will stop doing all of this. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you want your clients to say about you like in terms of memory in terms of what you brought to them? I love that question. Um that I give a shit truly that I'm not mm-hmm. here to just give them what they want for some price and then just leave and then they revert back. Yeah. You know, if I could the best feedback I've ever got is that one of my girls said I don't even recognize myself in the mirror anymore and it's not that I've lost weight I look great but the person who I was and the person who I am now she thinks differently she makes better decisions she doesn't take shit she's a lot more confident in who she is and I don't think I would have been able to do that on my own without someone being able to tell me that I'm worth the change so yeah it's definitely that that someone came to me with the guards up with thought of not being able to do something to be fair Mm -hmm. as well when someone comes to personal trainer and hands them money they've surrendered themselves they know they need help right i think the main thing is is that anyone can give you a meal plan or a training program but can you coach them can you coach them through them hard parts i want to be the person really who someone says yeah she changed my life simple as that mayor this has been um absolute fantastic episode i wish we had more time but no it's been it's been a pleasure where can people find you um so you can find me on instagram it's mentored by maya we are a team of two coaches now actually i have just brought in my second coach mobina so you can give her a follow too 
Um, she's great with the food relationship stuff. She's going through a little bit of a journey herself on a fat loss journey, and so am I. So please feel free. Um, Instagram, Mentor by Maya, and also TikTok, Mentor by Maya. It's all the same. Um, that name was free. <laughs> <laughs> Man, no, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Great, great, great. For those who are listening for the first time, welcome. For those who are back again, welcome. 